We're going to pray and begin, and I am I'm guessing this can record if I set it aside. Set it over here. Father God, we praise you today, God. Thank you. Thank you for the sweet time in worship that we had, Lord. God, we just give you praise. We lift the name of Jesus above every other name to be lifted high. God, you are God. You are Yahweh God, and there is none else. Father, we give you praise and the worship that you deserve. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just permeate and invade this atmosphere this morning. Father, as as I love the verse and I pray to you so often when I'm in your word in Psalm 119, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Because your word points us directly to you, Lord Jesus. And we just want to know you. We just want to know you, God. I just praise you and thank you, God, for who you are. I worship you. Father, take take what you've given me this morning and allow it to not return void. Father, apart from you, I have nothing to speak. But God, let your words that you give this morning, let none of them fall to to the ground. Like the anointing of Samuel, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. God, melt hearts. Melt hearts in this time where decisions, decisions, God, mean everything. Agreements, choices mean everything for walking into the destiny that you have for us. Help us to recognize that and to choose you every time. I pray this. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. This is not the one, but that's all right. It's another good one. <laughs> so what we'll do is I'm going to be from a different translation, um, but we'll pull the ESV up. Um, I was going to do it out of King James, and for some reason our, our uh, the word on the screen doesn't have that translation. If it does, then that's good, but for some reason it hasn't pulled up. So the Lord gave me some time ago... A word, and he often will start a lesson or a message by a single word that just lands heavy in my spirit. And it was really interesting that we were actually talking about um, faith and choices, and we were talking about authority, prayer, and so forth in a, a series that we've been in in the women's class. And what was spoken out in the discussion was the word threshold. And I thought it landed on me then. But then as I was spending time with the Lord in the next few weeks, he just continued to bring that word over and over again to my spirit. And started to basically say, um, tap, tap, tap. You know, like the reason this is coming up over and over again is because I want you to dig into what that word means. Why would I give you that word to ponder? It applies in a way that I need you to get it. I have a revelation for you. I have something significant for you. When the Lord does that in your life, don't brush it off. Do a deep dive. Dig deep. Not leaning on your own understanding, but dig deep. And with every part of the dig, make sure Holy Spirit's on it. So that you're not just academically gaining more knowledge, but that you're really receiving from the Logos word of God, you're receiving a rhema word for you 
and for you to impart to others, right? So I'm going to, Webster defines it this way, and I want to read the, a couple of definitions that um, I found to be very interesting. There's a few different ones that you think of differently, and one of them, um, with Greg, of course, who's in Nigeria uh, right now, and I believe they're with us, so hello, hello to all the Nigerian people. Um, I was talking to him earlier this morning when I was standing outside, locked out of my house, <laughs> waiting in the humidity to try to get to the ladies' class, so that was an interesting time, and I, the Lord just gave me a delightful chuckle, because while I was there, I just pulled up my phone app to look at the security system, to look at how ridiculous I looked. And I just had a great laugh. It was just hilarious. Like, seriously, I'm just standing there going, okay, Lord, hold my hair down so it doesn't frizz out. Like, whatever. Anyway, but he got me here, praise God. And um, my house uh, cannot be broken into in the various ways that I tried. So praise God for that, right? Because I got a little desperate. A little desperate and a little dirty. And praise God, I could not get in. I guess that's a good thing. It would have been convenient this morning, but now I know there's a level of Fort Knox there. So that's good. But I was speaking with him earlier, and uh, he's with us um, in Nigeria. And uh, as a builder, one of the definitions is that it is a plank or a stone, a piece of lumber that is the end of one room, the beginning of the next. It kind of is the, the dividing place. It's like crossing over this, this um, barrier here takes you into the next room. Now, some rooms are seamless and open, like the floor plan here that's very, very broad. But then there are definitive points where you're entering into a new space, and that's where you have a threshold, especially if you have different flooring, or if the, the decor or the aesthetic feel is going to be different. You're going to cross over into a new space, and there's a threshold there to separate the one from the other, right? The other definition is, and all three of them are really interesting, the last of which I love. But it says, the point at which a physiological or psychological effect begins to be produced. And I was hoping to get this on the screen for you, so I'm going to read that one again. The point at which a psychological or physiological effect begins to be produced. Okay? The third one I like the best. It is the magnitude or intensity, this one really listen carefully, the magnitude or intensity that must be exceeded for a certain reaction, phenomenon, result, or condition to occur or be manifested. I'm going to read that again. The magnitude or intensity that must be exceeded for a certain reaction, phenomenon, result or condition to occur or be manifested. I will tell you, and we'll come back around to this, we are at a new threshold. We are about to cross into a new space, and the Lord is asking, will you cross with me? If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you have crossed the initial threshold of unbelieving into a belief by faith. Because by faith, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, are you saved by grace? And that not of yourselves, okay? It is the gift of God, not of works. Can't do anything for it. You have to really believe by faith. Lest any man should boast. So, we have, if we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, we by faith 
have crossed into a place with at least a measure, and God has given us that mustard seed beginning, that, okay, now you've accepted, you are justified because of the blood of Jesus and what he paid for, you are justified, just as if I'd never sinned. And we have our salvation. And now we enter into that new space, the journey of the sanctification part of the three part of salvation. Justification, manifestation, which is where you, you, you grow your faith rewards, then the glorification, and we all can't wait for that. That is when we will see him face to face. But we've been, since our salvation, through, and many of us could probably speak of this, we've been across several different thresholds. I remember different thresholds that I crossed to believe more in my relationship with the Lord, to believe for more of what he had for me, to believe who he said he was, and to believe who he said I am. There were certain points that he brought me to where I was able to choose. And I will tell you, when you get to these places, you need to always remember when fear, when anxiety are present, and yet you desire peace and confidence. Those two, anxiety and peace, cannot reside in the same place. Okay, One of them has got to go. And you get to choose. You get to choose every time. Because to hold on to one, thinking that you have the other also, when they are mutually, completely exclusive, is to be deceived. And so we get to choose. And as we choose, God takes us deeper and deeper into the place that Psalm 91 talks about, which is that secret place of the Most High. So that we're abiding. And this is an invitation to a daily, ongoing, relational place where you're abiding under the shadow of the Most High. You're, he's always overshadowing you with his love, with his mercy, his grace, and his direction. But there were a couple of, there's so many examples in scripture of points of thresholds. But the one that came to me, uh, there was, there's three, if time will permit, but two of them have to do with Jesus himself. And one thing I wanted to establish in my Jesus example is that um, Jesus, by choice, was a man, but he was also God, but he never operated as God. And a couple of scriptures that I just want to give you that you don't have to go there, but it's really important that this be established, because without this being established you often can think, well, yeah, that's Jesus. You know, that's, that's great. That's a great example. Like, I'm sure I can extract some sort of hope from that, but I can't walk that because, I mean, I'm me and that's Jesus. No. If you think that, then you do not understand how much like as we were, as we are, that he was. And so one of the verses is in Hebrews 4, verse 15, that says, For we have not an high priest, and these are, this is King James, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points, all points, tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. How, how is that possible that he was tempted in all points if he was not 100% a man, and yet he was 100% God? It is because by his choice he limited himself. That is missed 
sometimes in the bride. And it seems as though also when, when people say he was 100% man, that there is an accusation that, well, you just believe he lost his Godhead, that his position in the Godhead and that he was no longer God. No, he, he never did. He always was God. But the two are able to be together because he, by choice, limited himself. And there's some, so many other amazing um, verses about that. But I'm just going to read two others in John chapter 5. When Jesus himself is saying, Then Jesus uh, answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. And I'm not even going to finish that, because that's the main part of that verse. It was so interesting how the Holy Spirit, I think, gave that exact verse to Brynn downstairs. Also in verse 30 of John chapter 5, that was 19. In verse 30 it says, Jesus is talking again. He said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father that sent me. So be sure you know the scripture and are fully established in the fact that he was all human, 100% human, as he was also 100% God, but never acted in the Godhead. Now, I do want to take you to Luke chapter 4, and we can be in the New Living Translation on this one um, for the screen's sake. Pull it up in what you have. And boy, I really want you to know where these, these amazing uh, stories are in the Word of God. This is the temptation of Jesus. Some of us know it. Some of it has been depicted in media, uh, movies, and dramatic reenactments. But it's very important to understand um, scripturally uh, and, and through the Holy Spirit's enlightenment what is really going on here. There is so much to pull from it. I'm just going to pull out a couple of insights because it's been preached on many times and there's just so many things we can learn from it. But I want to start in verse chapter, uh, in chapter 4, verse 1. That says, then Jesus, and, and by the way, if I'm off a word or two, it's because my New Living that I'm going to read from is slightly not updated. The New Living has many updates. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan River, where he was led by the Spirit to go out into the wilderness, where the devil tempted him for 40 days. He ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, verse 3, If you are the Son of God, change this stone into a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say people need more than bread for their life. And again, that's different. Verse 5, Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil told him, I will give you the, the, the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, he came, always came with the truth, okay? He always came back with the truth. You must worship the Lord your God, serve only him. Verse nine, then the devil took him to Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he orders his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you with their hands to keep from striking your foot on a stone. That always irritates me. How dare he touch Psalm 91? Then Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, do not test the Lord your God. I love that, that response. That is a talk to the hand. You know, like you're telling me the scriptures. The scriptures also say, do not test the Lord your God. 
when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him for the, until the next opportunity came. Now let's back up and look at what's happening here. When you think of a threshold of a place of choice that is um, that has to do with the definition that I'll refer back to in a moment, I want you to, to see that God allowed his humanity to cross a threshold at this point in time. He had been 40 days, because if you see the beginning of the scripture, it was the Holy Spirit that led him into the wilderness to be, to be tested. 40 days he went without food. It says, and it's interesting how a couple of translations say, and then he became hungry. I gotta tell you, I'd be, I'd be hungry in the afternoon of day one. <laughs> but 40 days he endured. I mean, clearly he was, he was um, strong and healthy, and he endured all that time. And so at the point where there would be the most uh, human pressure of, I'm at my brink, I'm at my end, and now this. How many times have we gone through that in our own lives where we're like, I'm dealing with the weight of the world, and then you get a new bomb dropping right on top of that weight that you're already in. And that is that moment of decision. What will you cave to? So the enemy comes along and tempts him, first framing the entire temptation with an if you are the son of God. Satan knew good and well who he was. And he will always come and place doubt on the very thing he knows good and well is not true, but he's trying to find out if you know that it's true. The test is for you. So if you're the son of God, then he begins to test him. And all three of these temptations are to get him to be derailed or to shortcut his destiny and his purpose. He pointed out in the first temptation, I'm the one that has authority. He was given stewardship, the prince of the power of this air, when Adam fell. Adam gave away the, the rights to this, this earth because of Eve's sin and Adam's sin joining her. So he's saying, I'll give it to you if you'll just bow to me. You don't have to go through anything else to pay for this if you just go about it this way. How about just try it this way? You can avoid a whole lot of stuff, and I know how much you want relief right now. I'll give it all to you. And what a, what a reminder for us when we see how the enemy comes against us. He is constantly trying to derail your purpose and your destiny. Do you have a close enough relationship with the Father that you will be like, look, I don't care how much life is squeezing me. I don't care how hungry, how distraught, how fatigued, how having gone through it in the wilderness I am right now, I will not choose you. I know who I am. I know who my Father is. And I will not take the shortcut route. I will not. And, you know, sometimes we would look and say, well, why is that a shortcut? Because Hebrews 9.22 says without the, the, um, the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So there, it's not, there isn't even a shortcut. The whole, the whole premise of the temptation was a lie. It's like, no, I know my purpose was to pay the price for mankind to be redeemed. And the only way, the perfect, is doing it God's way and carrying through with it. But Satan was hoping in his foolishness 
to try to derail and attempt to do it. Then he tempts him, of course, uh, obviously the first temptation is his, you know, go ahead, feed yourself. Like, I know you're hungry. Have you ever had, you ever had the enemy whisper to you, I know how frustrated you are. I know how, I, they, they, that person has been so relentless against you. I, I, know how, I know how much you just want to start speaking death over them. I know how much you just want to be bitter at all this stuff. I know, I know. And, and, and he begins to speak into your flesh struggle with a situation. And it's that moment that you, you say no, no. Or you do give in. And it's very, it's very dangerous because the outcome of that choice is significant. Can you imagine if Jesus had succumbed to that? Praise God that even though he was tempted like as we are, it was without sin because of his closeness. And I really believe, some people can't reconcile that. Well, yeah, but if he was yet without sin, then doesn't that put him into a different category? All I can tell you is that what made it, him tight with righteousness and holiness was relationship with Jesus. When you are in sync with the Father, the level of sensitivity you have to not dare, not dare go against his heart, not dare do anything to hinder that beautiful intimacy, that beautiful place, you wouldn't dare do anything to upset that love between you. There is a holiness that's produced in that. There is such a high sensitivity of sin. There is such a short account of sin. You can literally thwart it before it comes into your life. Who knew that that was possible? And, and it's not possible through striving. It's not possible through principles. It is possible through the closeness, the intimacy. The principles teach us the character of God that points us to him, but it is in him that we are able to live and move and have our being in holiness and righteousness. We seek him first and his righteousness, 633 of Matthew. And then all these things are added unto us. So he... He was pushed to the brink. And it's, it's so beautiful that, again, he responded with truth. He responded with truth, not just because he memorized the Bible or what was written at that point. It's not, it's not about memory. I know a lot of, I have a lot of memorization. And I got to tell you, until I entered into closer relationship with Jesus, it actually didn't do me a whole lot of good in the sense of just the knowledge of it. It wasn't until it was experientially illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit was I able to wield it in a way that had impact in my life. Amen. That's the difference. And that is what this picture is, is this tightness Jesus had with his Father. Even in his declaring when he was teaching the disciples from what I just read from John 5, he was saying, look, like you, I can do nothing apart from my Father. Do you understand what's available to you? He came to offer this relationship. He was going to pay for that relationship with the blood of Jesus. But before the blood paid for it, people were delivered by their faith in the coming Messiah. And he kept offering that to him at them at that time. Now, having said that, there's another threshold where you see two sides of the situation. Let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, starting at verse 53. And this is where I had highlighted my other Bible, but that's okay. As you guys know, I've said so many times, I'm old school, so I tend to have 20 different Bibles in paper form. Instead of being able to click my computer, I don't know. Lord, deliver me. i got to get uh, beyond some of the paper. I just love it. I love to feel it, touch it, mark it up, kiss it when need be, when I'm just overwhelmed with truth, and I just 
It's literally, these pages are wet. I must have kissed it a few times. Um, but, <laughs> but in verse 53 of John chapter 6, this is, a, this is a, a reference that was made, I think, even recently in one of Greg's messages. But I want to point out something different in these scriptures that, um, that pertains to the threshold um, idea. Jesus then said to him, and I'm going to be actually, well, okay, let me, let me just try it from the New Living again. Um, I was going to be in King James, but we don't even have that. We do. We do. Can you do that then? Thank you. Thank you. Let's, let's read it in King James in this particular case. So verse 53, you know if you hear a verily, verily, if you're in the King James, right? I say to you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, okay? You have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So he's speaking here among the people, and he's answering a question that he had said previously. But he, then in verse 56, he says, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. He's giving a picture of what he was going to represent in the redemptive process. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna in the human realm, and are dead, but he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. So in verse 59, it, it goes on to say, These things said he in the synagogue as he, was, as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear this? When Jesus knew in himself, okay, it was a Holy Spirit enlightenment of his his spirit was being enlightened to, to understand and discern what was happening, okay, around him. He knew in himself that the disciples murmured at it. And he said to him, does this offend you? What's interesting is truth sometimes offends. Why does sometimes truth offend? It will offend when it is so far beyond our comprehension to grasp that we just innately resist it because we really like to be in the know. When, you're, when your comfort zone is so completely stretched that you're just like, wait a second. We instinctively as humans like to resist nonsense. And so when something is brought to you that is a nonsense um, introduction to your intellect, which is very finite, very limited. And it's something that is meant to hit your spirit to believe and your heart to believe. All of a sudden, you're at this place of faith. See, because it is with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Did you know that? And with the mouth, confession is made. It is not our mind. We are to love the Lord our God including our mind, all of our strength, our soul, and our mind. But when we believe, it is with our heart. Because there is a, faith is literally the substance of things. It, it is substance of something only hoped for. It's evidence of something we can't see. It is, it, it sounds like those two statements are just like an oxymoron. We can't, we can't reconcile that. That's what faith is. Faith is believing in what we cannot see. And so he's presenting to them a concept that is a reality, but they rejected it 
at face value as, some, as meaning something that it didn't mean. And of course, we know behind the story that I think Greg mentioned, it also hit to the heart of traditions that were disgusting to them, to the thought of handling blood or certainly eating blood. That was just not what they did in the Jewish culture. That was not lawful. So he says, does this offend you? And in verse 62, he said, what if, what and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? He's basically saying, then what are you going to think if you see me, the Son of Man, return to heaven again? It is the Spirit, 63, verse 63, that quickeneth, or that, uh, that accomplishes, um, or gives eternal life, that quickeneth. The flesh provides nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit, and they are life. So right at this moment, he is presenting a threshold. He is presenting a point at which, okay, so far you've been following my teachings. You've been wowed by some of the healings. You've, you've, your, your spirit has resonated with a measure of what I have delivered. But if you're really seeking me, then you're going to go with me to the next level that's not yet been introduced to you. Because I am, I am the son of the God that is the exceeding abundantly above all that you could even dare to ask or think. So this is when the, many of the followers said, this is too much. I can't, I can't deal with this. Yes, this is just offensive. And you know what? I'm just not, not ready to believe. These were people that were following and agreeable to the principles thus far that he spoke about that were excited about what they saw and hopeful that it would impact their lives. But when it came down to believing the absurd, believing something that they had never heard before, that was the point where it was too much. His disciples, and Peter, I love what Peter said, he also, they also didn't understand, his closest disciples, the 12, they didn't understand. And yet, as we spoke, so so interestingly how the Holy Spirit works, we spoke downstairs with the ladies the same concept, but it was a point of where Peter just responds and says, Lord, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? He didn't respond and say, yes, Lord, we're going to follow you. I totally get it. He didn't get it. He didn't understand. But he was willing, like Acts 17, 11, to be a believer and receive the word because he fell in love with Jesus himself, the person of Jesus Christ, that he was willing to receive with eagerness and then go and search out a matter to be fully resolved in that. And sometimes there is a gap of time where you still don't understand and you're still operating in faith. Are you able to cross the threshold of I don't understand this, but I know whom I have believed. And I know that he is able to keep me, to keep that which I have committed unto him against deception, in the day of deception. We are in an age of deception. We are in an age where there's the rise of the false prophet. We have got to be solidified in whom we serve and know that we don't have to be responsible to not be deceived. We have to be responsible to whom we surrender and give our yes and to whom we, we choose. Every day when I wake up, 
I literally arise from the from bed and I just say, I, I praise the name of Jesus. Like I the Lord knows I chose choose him. I know I choose him, but you know what? When when the enemy wants to just come and hang out and watch my life, I just let him know all the time, look guys, I choose Jesus. If you're here hanging out, I choose Jesus. Just saying again. Okay, I know you're going to come and get me in some form. I will not live on the defensive. I will be on the offensive. I choose Jesus. I praise the name of Jesus. There is no other God but him. I mean, worship can be a weapon against the enemy. Man, tell the enemy whom you serve. It is amazing. It, it, we shouldn't be worshiping on our heels. We should be worshiping in the forward motion of taking the territory. Now, there are times that if you are hungry... After 40 days of a wilderness challenge that you feel like, okay, man, everything in me is just getting hit, you can still choose him. And having done all to stand, Brent pointed that out this morning to the ladies, sometimes that is where we are and that's all we can do. We're just having done all to just stand. Father, you can be, I, I'm going to give you the forward motion of my life. What I got in me right now is to stand. And when you are around other believers, stretcher bearers, intercessors that will come alongside of you and believe for and encourage you in, in their faith over you, it is an amazing thing. But it can't be the opposite. It can't be. There still has to be that point with you and the Lord alone to, to where you are resolute that you choose him even if the stretcher bearers around you suddenly don't make it through their threshold of faith and begin to, to doubt, to fear, to walk away, to whatever it is, disassociate themselves from you. That started when we first walked into Ignition seven years ago. There was just a series of people after people after people that it cost us. We love them. We love every single one of them to this day. But we lost a level of fellowship with them because, see, when you're on a train that's moving and you're giving God your yes to stay with that moving train, if somebody's left back because they didn't want to get on the train, I love you. I, I, hope, I hope you'll get on the jump on the next car, man. We're moving here. But they're there, and you're here. And it's, it's like, I, I, I can't stop. I, I, I'm not, it's God first. I'm not going to derail my entire journey with the Lord to stay back in your fear and in your doubt because I choose him. Do you see what I'm saying? It can seem insensitive, but it's like, no, I'm moving forward. I am moving forward in what he is doing. We are at a new threshold, and many of you, praise God, you have gotten through the thresholds of entering into the next space that God has you. But some at that threshold begin to feel what feels like a force field that is hindering them. They go to cross the threshold and they, if you've seen these movies, you know that they depicted like they bounce back off of this invisible force field. I don't know, you guys can name movies. I, I saw one, I couldn't even begin to tell you which one it was. Um, that can be a place where it's like, whoa, I thought I would just be able to step in. Wonderful, Lord, you're here in this beautiful space. Thank you, I'm crossing over. I got a little winded, but I'm good. It's not always like that. Sometimes to cross that threshold is going to take every bit of fighting. You, the, the force field is raging against you, but the invitation is still there to cross, and you have to reconcile with, Lord, 
Is it supposed to be this hard? Is it supposed to be this hard? Like, you, you're inviting me to cross the threshold and help, help a girl out. And he's like, my strength is greatest in your weakness. This isn't about what you think you can do. This is about trusting me and knowing that I am your God. Behold, I am standing at the door knocking in your life. If you will open the door and let me come in, I will fellowship with you. And guess what? We will then know who he is. And we'll begin to channel all of our need, all of what the enemy is shouting in our ears about lack directly to him. And then you're going to be like, yeah, Psalm 34, man. With my God, I can scale any wall. You know, like, I, I can do this. I can level any mountain. Not because of me, but because of my God. You know, we've got to get there. We've got to get there. Because otherwise, you're staying in this, this place of, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, that offended me. That offended me. I don't know. I mean, the whole, you know, drink your blood. And I'm, I'm just... Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, you know, that you just messed with my sensibilities here, and I'm just not sure. And you can imagine where Peter was in coming to the conclusion, do you not think that in the human realm, he had an ear to hear the grumblings? There were grumblings. I'm quite sure there were people making their case around him, kind of going, I don't know what you guys, you guys are, look, okay, now you've crossed the line. You're turning into whack jobs. I don't know. This is looking a little cult-like, okay? This is looking a little Jim Jonesy, man. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna encourage you by saying, like, look, look, just, just bail. This is this is not this is not right. And it would have been logical and perhaps a common sense right thing to do. Like, okay, we've come this far, you know. Look, good luck. And uh, but I just I think you know I still believe in the coming Messiah. I still, you know how you know how when people decide not to believe, they 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 walk away in unbelief, still saying they believe. It's deception. It's an interesting place. It, it's it's really really interesting. Yes, I really 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 I really believe all these these things. But you know, because I don't believe, I'll see you later. Okay, which is it? The Lord is putting a straight line in front of us, and we've all been there. We've all been there. Some of us have not believed at the point of our threshold. And God, in his mercy and in his grace, has said, the train's moving, but you can still jump on one of the cars. Get on. There will be a point when it will be going so fast, you will no longer have the ability to run, catch up, and jump on, as you've seen depicted in movies. I don't even know how they did that. I guess they didn't have lawsuits back then. They had... You know, where people, after the train got going, the guy would lean out and say, okay, come on, you can still run. And, the, you know, women are running in their dresses with their wooden suitcases and throwing them on and trying to get them on the train. And it's like, that would never happen today. You know, lawsuit, you know, somebody would stumble or even get winded or, you know, fatigued and they would sue the train company. But that's a picture, though, of the fact that, yes, sometimes there's a moment, there's a, there's a, a, a window of time where even when the train is moving, it's still within your grasp to get on. But it's speeding up. It's speeding up. And this next threshold, God is saying, look, choose you this day whom you will serve. Make the choice already. Don't factor in the grumblings of the people around you. That is exactly what happened to the children of Israel in the wilderness. They were called into this amazing 
walk and relationship with God Almighty that was was led by this miraculous pillar of fire, pillar of cloud, by day, by night, the manna from heaven. I mean, where, where in the world did they have an opportunity in the wilderness to get food? God just so supernaturally provided. And yet there was pouting and grumbling and, you know, well, I don't know, I mean, I'm bored. And, you know, I mean, I, I love the miracle, but I mean, you know, come on, I, I need a few more flavors. I need something different. And, and, and the, the grumbling, and I'll tell you what, it may look like unfair, but they missed it, and they didn't enter into their destiny. Was it, was it not because God was merciful? Of course he was merciful. He was merciful, and he even heard the intercessory uh, pleading from Moses, their leader, to have mercy on them. But you know what? At some point, your choices must produce the consequences of them. What you reap will be sown. And you can speak all day long to what you say you are sowing, but what actually comes from the ground is what you planted. My mother had a garden off to the side of our house. I am I always professing that I'm an indoor girl, but I'm glad that, that the Lord gave me these gardening experiences. And I remember I was not part of the planting. She just had me tend the garden. It was my chore for the house to go and make sure it was weeded. So she told me that she planted carrots and strawberries, and I think there was something else planted. I'll have to ask her. I just only remember when I went to pull them that that was what came out. But, but I had to learn that when it came to pulling the weeds, you know, oh, don't pull that. That's that's the actual plant. That's those are the carrots I planted. Now, this is a weed, and I didn't know. I was like, that's green stuff. Let's just yank it. She's like, no, you know, she's teaching me. So I just did not know. So. When it was time to actually, I remember, I'll never forget the day when she said, okay, I think that the carrots are ready. And, and the strawberries you can see above ground when they begin to bloom. The carrots you don't really know. They're, they're below the soil. And I remember pulling the carrots up and going, a couple of them were big and huge. And I just thought, this is amazing. Like, this started from a seed. This is awesome. Well, can you imagine if she had just said that she planted all these things, and then I went to go and get them, and nothing came up but just just grass. And, and even taking a shovel, digging down, and saying there's nothing there. You know, the proof of what is planted is the reality that is seen. And it is a parallel. There are always parallels in the human realm to teach us how God works. He's not a random designer. He designs things to parallel the way his kingdom works. And... So the reaping and sowing is one of the, the best parallels that we, we understand. But also, um, as, you know, as, a, as a fitness trainer, the Lord has always said, yes, you know, use these examples because I had you in this field for so long. And I remember starting to see how many parallels there were in getting into shape and fitness. And I do remember in, um, in learning in kickboxing, when kickboxing became a rage and you know, the instructor started to learn it, I remember that there was a definite difference in the type of fitness that we were training versus this. This was intense. It was different. I didn't even know how to make a fist, much less, you know, how to, how to actually get the motions to box and stuff. So I had to learn all of that. But I remember the intensity of what I had to cross through to be able to train others and to keep up with them. Because the instructor couldn't quit halfway and go, <gasps> Keep going, guys. I'm going to just chill for a second and take out a camper. You know, he, he was, you know, it was like, no, you got to learn. You're leading by example. It was literally a, a group session where 
they, they couldn't hear because the music's loud. They just follow what they see. So if I stop, they stop. And I remember thinking, man, I have got to cross to a place of a new level of fitness that I don't currently have, or I'm not going to be able to do this. And I, I remember my body crossing through points when I'm telling you there was such shredding of my muscles, especially my quads. It was just like, it, it was brought to complete fatigue. And I was thinking about that last couple of days as I was thinking about this message this morning. And the Lord showed me, see, I had to break everything down to build you new, to build you strong, so that you'd be ready for this next season in your fitness training. Because it was just one of those things that, I mean, yeah, I could have opted out and, and maybe gone to a, a stretch class or whatever, but I, I knew, I knew I wanted to, I wanted to keep up with, you know, with the cardio season that you had me in. And, and I, I just have so often thought back, yeah, coming to the end of yourself is, and, and letting God take you to the threshold of your pain and then choosing Him is sometimes the greatest place of breakthrough, of revelation, of wisdom of God. Because sadly, as even Bryn pointed out to the women this morning downstairs, sadly it sometimes takes that for us to get out of our own way when God is trying to work in our lives. How, what is your threshold for believing God? Are you all in? Because guess what? He is our strength and our weakness. He is actually the greatest strength when we stop fighting him. And he wants to take us to the next level. It, it, it's a beautiful picture of if you will just let me break down your will and you'll say yes to me, I will restore, I will redeem, I will rebuild, I will strengthen. And it is, it is so beautiful. But it, it goes to the verses in um, Hebrews 10.35, um, or excuse me, no, it actually goes to, um, I, don't, I don't have a reference in front of me, but um, not my, it's actually Mark, Mark 14, yeah, 14.36. It's in a couple of places, but surrender is the, is that, is the Gethsemane moment where Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. Which brings me to the third threshold example I want to give you. Jesus' first threshold, humanly speaking, was not being derailed from his destiny in the wilderness temptation. But his ministry really didn't begin at that point. He then went on to other trials to be able to be handling all of the accusations, the lies, the people turning away from him, so many things he went through. But then there was Gethsemane. Then there was that moment. That moment right before stepping into the greatest impact of how God wanted to use him. That was the reason he was brought to earth. The moment of crucifixion. And he's praying in, in Gethsemane and praying, in, as you know, the story, just sweating great drops of blood. And you see this honesty of his humanity. Father, if there's any way, if there's any way that this cup could pass from me. But yet, not my will, but thine be done. You know, it's okay to tell the Lord, I'm weary. I'm struggling. Man, if there's any way I can avoid this, it would be great. But I will not derail my destiny. 
I will not walk away from the books you wrote about me, the author and finisher of my faith, this book that you wrote about me, that in, in thy, my book all my members were written. Like Psalm 139 talks about, before I was even born, you fashioned me in my mother's womb so beautifully. I won't walk away from that plan just because it's getting a little bit more than I can handle right now. Crossing that threshold, and we know the scripture, that for the, oh, for the joy that he was going to receive, he was willing to lay himself down. He was able to see with kingdom eyes because of his relationship with the Father. He was able to see the joy that was ahead if he would just fulfill his destiny. I just want to suggest to you today and urge you and present to you that God has such an amazing plan for your life. There is a, a part you play in the body of Christ in this time, in this day and age in which we live, that only you can fill the way that God designed you to fill it. And will you, because of external confusion, not knowing Will you, for, for the pain, for the things that seem to be relentless coming against you, will you walk away from the Lord's ultimate beautiful plan for you? Or will you say, okay, not my will. There is something here that I don't understand about what you're doing because what I see in your word is that your character is that you're always good. How is it possible that God is always good? Thou art good and doest only good. How is he always good when our circumstances in some people's lives are literally never good? Hello, Apostle Paul. He saw a lot of good things come from it. But I mean, in terms of turmoil and trials, if you're going to measure something by trials, by headache, heartache, imprisonments, shipwrecks, beatings, you know, people rejecting him, walking away from him, even people that walked with him for a time and walked away from him, he endured all of this because he recognized this was his opportunity to see for his eternity forever with the Lord. What you give up right now is a forever decision to cast away. Do you understand that? Your placement in your forever is determined right now by these decisions. Don't be short-sighted. Don't be like Esau, Hebrews says that sold his birthright. He sold his birthright. And then he woke up, and no matter how many bitter tears he cried, he gave it away. He gave away his destiny. And, you know, we sometimes look at that and say that's not fair. But guess what? God gives choice. He gives choice. He has to, or the love between us wouldn't be real. It would just be a robotic response. He wanted it to be real. And so in that real love, he gave me choice to choose him every day. How do we handle it? How do we handle when we don't choose? There's consequences. But how do you handle when others don't choose? Are you going to be derailed by someone else's choice? Man, know who you are in Christ. Know the power of intercession. Pray, 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 pray for your lost loved ones. For, for unbelieving believers around you, of which there are many in the bride all across the world, pray and believe with all your heart, but stand firm no matter what. Because even though I pray for people to 
receive Christ. I know that they do have a choice. And by the way, if you are praying, the beautiful thing about praying in the Spirit is the people that God leads you to pray for, there's a reason why God's leading you to pray for the people that you're praying for. You can actually believe in the result of your prayer when he puts the person on your heart. Because remember, he gives free will, but he also in his foreknowledge knows who will come to him. So pray as the Holy Spirit leads. You'll find yourself praying for people that might surprise you, maybe people in high places of authority or media that you don't even know. But when God lays it on your heart, just stay in sync with the Father and fight for them. Believe with all your heart that your prayer takes territory from the enemy over that person's life and giving them an opportunity. Because the one thing I always pray about is that there be no deception, no fog, no infringement of their free will so that they can make their clear choice. When I was praying in the Spirit earlier during worship, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me a few things in translation, what I was praying for. And this morning, he did release angels to sweep and pull back fog and confusion over everybody's mind. It wasn't a permanent holding back. It was enough to hear this word because some of the fog over people was there because of agreements, because of not pulling the weeds of doubt, of fear, of unbelief in your garden. And if you know anything about garden gardening, back to my gardening example, you let the big weeds sit in there, they begin to choke the good fruit that wants to be produced. There may be some fruit that will be produced, but it will stifle the maximum effect of where that fruit, what that fruit could develop into when you allow those things to be in your garden. And so believe that God has given you. He started with a mustard seed of faith, but he is saying, look, I am God. I am your God. Cross this threshold. Cross it with me. Cross it with me. And surrender. Surrender is the only way. So I'm going to read one last time this, um, this definition because I want you to hear it. I said it someplace. Here it is. Too many papers. The magnitude or intensity, many of us are in trials, that must be exceeded, that must be exceeded for a certain reaction, phenomenon, result, or condition to occur or be made manifest. Will you be willing to let God take you across in this maximum intensity place so that what he's about to do can be done through you and that you're not going to be stuck back there running after the train that is speeding up and you can't get on it. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you. He loves you. He loved the first generation of the children of Israel. But they just couldn't stop grumbling. They couldn't stop stomping their feet, crossing their arms, and saying, well, I don't know, this isn't fair. I mean, we think sometimes these little pouts that we have are not, uh, don't have great impact. But I'm telling you, they do. Watch your thought life. Watch your words. What you declare. Be careful. There is great power. Do not declare things over your life. Your words will either... Uh, keep you in right relationship with the Lord or your words can condemn you and, and indict you. Why? Because all the enemy is looking for is agreement with his agenda. He comes and he whispers. 
He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. How does he do it first? By suggesting and casting imaginations and proud arguments from 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, 4 and 5. He makes these suggestions about, well, you should quit. God doesn't love you. Well, you could do it this way. You could shortcut it. And you know what he's doing? And I said this to the ladies downstairs. He is spouting his character into your ear. He is trying to spout himself and his ways into you. And when you know the character of God, you just go, really? No, I will not have that. Now, sometimes the oppression is so great, you need to talk to a brother or sister and go, whoa, what is happening here? I am listening to something. It doesn't sound right, but I'm confused. Let someone speak truth over you. Let them direct you to the truth and then go back to the Lord. Go back to the word and the Lord, like Acts 17, 11, with an eagerness to search the scriptures and learn Learn in the secret place how to encourage yourself in the Lord so that no matter what hits you, you can say, nothing can separate me from the love of God. I can do all things through Christ. You know, we sometimes look at that as big decisions. How about just, I can do all things with these lies. There's, there's a psychological warfare going on. I mean, there is a battle against our minds. The enemy's plan is obvious. Isolate, learn remote. Let me get you away from all good influences and put a computer in there that I have mostly taken over with every kind of level of debauchery and lies and the censorship of the truth, and I want to put it to you right in the privacy of your own home so that you are just swallowed up by this garbage. That is, the, that is his agenda, this isolation tactic. And that's why we have to be careful that we, we don't have agreements. We don't think that we're good citizens here on earth by complying with evil lies and agendas of the enemy. Be careful. Be careful. Because don't forsake the assembly together. I don't care what kind of lockdowns are coming. Hopefully we won't get censored for saying this. Don't really care. We will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And so much more as we see the day approaching. Because God has a plan to blow this whole thing right out of the water. And he's waiting for his people to choose already. I know you have, many of you in this room. Praise God for that. But this is a wake-up call to whoever will listen to this message. Cross the threshold. On the other side is amazing. In front of it, staying in this space, you will not be where God's presence wants to take you. He may allow it for a time. But just like he said to me, and I'll close with this, the same thing he said to me the first time he called me to Nigeria. And I was just like, man, I needed 100 confirmations. Like, seriously, you know, the enemy was messing with me because in high school we had missionaries come to our church. And I was like, Lord, don't ever send me to Africa. <laughs> and so he was using that, replaying that in my mind. And so I needed a confirmation. And I'll never forget, I'm standing in my kitchen. And all of a sudden, I was thinking about going, you know, I don't know. And this, this, you know, a little bit of anxiety over it and all the unknown and do you really want me to go? Maybe this is just a Greg thing. You know, maybe this is just whatever. All of a sudden, the entire atmosphere in the kitchen just changed. And he said to me, this is what it will feel like, even in the safety of your own home, that you think is safe, if my presence isn't here. You have a choice. My presence over you is going to Nigeria. You can stay here if you'd like, but I'm going. And I'm inviting you to be in my presence. I'm telling you what. The fear that came over me in my kitchen, I was just like, okay. 
this is no longer safe. We think sometimes our little space and our little, you know, our car, our job, our house is a safe space, and God is our safe space. Amen. Under the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is our safe place. And um, needless to say, that convinced me. Lord, I'm going. I will not be out from under the shadow of you, Almighty God. Even though my mind and the enemy was trying to tell me, oh, you'll be safer at home, you don't know, this is the most dangerous place in the world. In the presence of the Lord, there is no danger because God will never leave us or forsake us. And if we're going to take territory and change these dangerous places, then God's people better get up and go where he tells them to go instead of leaning on our own understanding with where we think we should be because it seems like the best option. So think about this this morning. There's a new threshold before us. Will we cross over? Will we cross over? Let's pray. Father, we God, we just love you. Lord, I just, I give you praise, God. I, I give you all the praise for every threshold you've taken me across. Because God, truly apart from you, apart from the, the measure of, of faith you've given me in the beginning of a mustard seed, God, I, I, I couldn't have crossed through anything. I couldn't have even come to you for salvation. But your love constrained me. It drew me to your heart. I'm so thankful, God. I'm so thankful for you, God. And I know you're taking me higher and my flesh resists and my, my feeble mind sometimes is desperate to understand before I take a step. But oh God, but then your love, then your love says, you don't have to understand because I've got it all. You will understand as I give you wisdom and revelation so I can rest in your arms. Thank you, God. Help me and help everyone listening to this message to step in the next space where you are going. That we not miss our destiny. That we not miss the perfect in where you are taking us, God. We need you. I love you, God. I praise you, God. We seek truth, but we seek truth in the person of Jesus Christ. As we hear from you in your word and many other ways, God. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And I just give you praise. Strengthen your bride. Wake up your bride and strengthen your bride and empower your remnant by their yes to you. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.